And we're live. Hi guys, welcome to another episode of the Transfer Podcast. I'm your host David. Um, today I'll be talking about um, the transfer windows, transfer windows and updates. And it has really been a very dry window, as expected. It's January window, and because there was no Premier League um, match, there's no, there's no Premier League matches during the, the midweek. So, um, but there was an Afcon. There was, the Afcon is still going on the round of 16, and some interesting results. Obviously, in my last episode I really talked about Nigeria getting knocked out. You know. <laughs> But um, other results came in and some other countries progressed and we had another shocker yesterday, a giant killer, Equatorial Guinea knocking out um Equatorial Guinea knocking out Mali, technically giant killers, but either ways you get, get the point. So um I'm it out. So without further ado, let's dive into this episode. Okay, we're live. So um Let's start the Premier League um, quickly. So um, no more. There's not. There's not been much transfer news. Okay, yeah. Man City. Um, Julian Alvarez. They just signed Julian Alvarez from River Plate. Although they sent him back alone, he's probably going to join in the summer. And Julian Alvarez joining Man City is interesting. Now they say it's not going to affect their search for a new striker. Um, I personally, I, I don't know if I believe them on that. <laughs> but Alvarez is still very, might be very raw, but his his um, goals and assists um, ratio. It's good. I think they say he has 40 goals and assists, and he was part of the Copa America squad. So he's really highly rated from the way he's been spoken of. And Man City, I, I looks like like they are growing successful. If, I don't know if I would say that because I, I I don't really know much about Avril. I've not seen him play before, so I don't know if I'll call him a growing successful because maybe I don't know if their playing styles are even similar. But Man City have gotten their man. I think 18.5 million or something they paid. So they're gonna send him back on loan. He's gonna join in the summer. Um, for them now, depend we will see though. But I think it's gonna be a lot of work on him. The way Man City has certainly played without a striker, him coming in, he has enough time to even be able to be bedded into the side, you know, gradually and eased into the side rather than being thrown into the deep end. You may not really have to be good through that, you will just be bedded in properly. But the proper bedding, bedding in process, you just go through all of that, you know, and, and get in. Now, who Man City as a striker, I'll be very, I don't know. Um, when, especially when the summer comes around, and I don't know if they'll go back in for Hurricane. I don't know if they will go back in for Hurricane. They might. I don't know if they will. Personally, I don't think they will. You know, especially with the way the whole thing went last summer, and you know, they might want to even offer less money than they offer than they than they did the last summer. You know, so it's, it's this is all you know in Man City's court here. I don't know if they will, but I'll be very surprised they do. And it's very likely that they're gonna just make Avarez their main guy. Because I mean, as it stands, they, they look very comfortable. And if you ever hit the ground running, it's, it's got, they're just going to say, okay, no need. But they might still sign another striker because they're others. I think there's one guy called Kaki. I don't, I can't, I don't know what happened with that just because they signed a guy called Kaki. He's from he's Brazilian also. So maybe I'll, I'll try and check up on that particular um, how that signing went about though. But yeah, and also another news. I'm um, Tottenham Hotspur. Tottenham Hotspurs. We haven't still signed anybody. Imagine, imagine my surprise. I mean, it's 27th of January and we haven't signed anybody. And for a club who who has a lot of problems to fix on in their squad, you know, we tend to <laughs> we have so many problems in our squad to fix, and we we tend to even look. We we are, we are so slow to act. I don't even know. I mean, somebody said you know the lead is already an Arsenal fan who decided to go on that cover to destroy Tottenham because that is what it's looking like right now. I mean, it's it's a disgrace that we have signed. But the update so far is that um, the Chari, now the Damachari thing they were prioritizing, they were going to sign a Damachari, going to sign a Damachari. Well, reports yesterday said that Damachari signing, they have cooled, they've paused it. So it's more of like, let's do it this way, right? 
So the focus of attention on Luis Diaz. Now this is my anger. If you want Luis Diaz, why didn't you go in for him at the start of the window? Now they said, oh, um, it's just an opportunity to they can't pass opportunity of such a quality player, which is true. Luis Diaz is quality. I mean, for Porto, straight for Porto in Champions League run last season, he, he was really good. But my own my own anger here is this: if you are if if you wondered that why now you know really if you weren't just going and and the funny thing is. The Chachara signing now that they've been dragging and dragging and dragging. Now they are not because why they said um, they believe they can go in for him anytime. But Barcelona are nine trainer chart. Now listen, I do not. I'm not even one of those persons who would say, oh, you know, pull pull everything down just to get the match. I'm indifferent on the, on the signing. But my own thing here is, if that is who you want, why didn't you just why don't you just tell the deal instead of delaying? The longer you delay, you know, the, we're out of two. We're out of a cup competition already because of this. We almost got knocked out of the FA Cup because of this inaction from the club. Now imagine we got knocked out, it means that it's going to be another trophy-less season. So the FA Cup is probably our only hope to end this trophy drought. The signings we make in this January will be so key to ending that drought. You know, but you know, this is what it is. Now, um, reports came out yesterday. So Luis Diaz, like I said, Chari, the reporter, and then there's Sofia Namrabat. Now the Sofia Namrabat deal is because they want to shift Tango and Dombele. Now they say if Dombele goes, then Zamrabat. Now people want to say um, if Conte wants him, that I'm sorry, man, Amrabat. They say easy. I don't know the guy. I'm not convinced. I don't know. Now I will hold my hands up, you know, and say okay, I was wrong. If Conte is if he signed and he becomes his because I remember very well when Conte was at Chelsea and they signed then David Luiz and Alonso. I was among people that laughed at him, and you know I, they, they weren't laughing. They were they were not. I wasn't laughing when they won the league. But I don't want a case where it's going. But at sports, this is the thing with sports. Sports are known for going for second or third choices, third choice signings, and not the real signing the manager wants. So I'll be forgiving for assuming that Amrabat is not the one he wanted. Because really, when you look at from links to Weston McKenney and um, I can't remember the other guy, like Frank Kessier, from those links, and now we're having links to Amrabat, who most of us don't even know. You know, so it's not you'll be forgiving. For believing that he was, and speaking of Amrabat is on is with is on international duty with Morocco at the Afcons, you know the Afcon. But this is my own. It, it's just the same Jones Van and it makes you wonder if it's not if it's not the Saha slash Ryan Nelson window all over again because it's looking like like it, you know. I, I don't I don't want it to be the case. I don't want it to be the case, but it sadly is going. And the thing is, most of us could have predicted this already. And speaking of this prediction, I'm talking about. The Luis Diaz signing, Luis Diaz, Luis Diaz links. It's looking like Paulo Dybala, Martinez, um, Skriniar. It's looking like that all over again. You know, um, links to a top player. Then, totally understanding. You know that if you, you just know that it's gonna fall apart. You know, but why did you go in anyway? Because it's gonna look, it's looking like a small screen. You know, using it to trick fans to make into making them believe that you have an ambition. Then you refuse to agree on it. The what is it? I mean, the screener deal that it was 15 million. That was the um, that was that's what kept that's the what the two clubs could have Inter Milan, Inter Milan and Spurs. It was 15 million that was the difference. Inter Milan were ready to let him go 45 million at the time. You know, 15 million was the difference. Why? And the funny thing is, it's coming back to that again. You're you know very well the release to so the release clause is 80 million euros for um, this guy. 80 million euros is the release clause for um, Luis Diaz, right? Now there are reports that they could accept um, 55 million pounds. There are reports that are saying that they could have 55 million pounds. 
but Spurs are offering about um, 40 or 50 million euros, right? Spurs are offering probably even less than that. Now, if Spurs offer, let's say, a little bit more to make it... I'm sorry about the transfer, the um, discrepancies in exchange rates here. The, the, the um, difference of exchange rates here. Just, I'm just going off what I read. I don't have enough time to start doing the commotion in my head. But if, if Spurs are in for, for this guy... And Spurs offer the extra amount of money they need to top it up and just get him in. The signing will be tied up. If you are serious about a signing, surely 80 million euros release clause. We know it's a release clause, yes, but it can be negotiable. You can say, okay, we're going to offer you 60 million euros. I think that's about the amount that could be enough. You know, if you offer that amount, they know that you are serious. But it's looking like Spurs often have that amount. It's looking like that. And now they're saying Spurs are not coming and the deal will be done. Imagine my shock. Imagine my shock. I am so, oh my, I am so surprised. Imagine my shock being sarcastic obviously it's looking at all the way again that's why i'm not putting more hope on this much hope in this and it's, it's, it's going to be extra annoying you know the fact that sports will be forced to play we're still forced to watch this dross play on you know and uh, i don't know man i don't want to rant about sports let, let, let me just go to um let's just go to africa okay let me go to the afcon let me just go to cameroon now and just let sports just continue to disgrace and embarrass themselves hopefully we get some signings in but I'm not very. I'm not convinced. If if Amrabat, Luis Diaz, and um, Traore are the signings we were able to get in in January, I would still not be convinced personally. Although they would improve the squad, ah, they will improve the squad because what we have is really bad. The midfielders have are very bad. You know, the midfielders are very bad. So it, it, it will be very good for us to see something new at least. That's what the that's what the three of them will bring. I mean, Luis Diaz is a very is a good player. Yes, he's going to come in and bring something different. And these fans who always talk about. You know, Sonny. Oh, yes, Son's gonna play. Luis Diaz plays on the left. I'm sorry, man. Who cares? Son is a footballer. He's there to play. If he sees the competition, it's up to him to fight and overpower the job, or he, he adapts to the situation. This is exactly why we could not change. Really. Who else is gonna play? Who cares, man? Let them battle that by themselves. Get quality players in. You know, this is exactly what made the squad stay still, remain still for years, and people became complacent because they know very well that they knew very well that nobody's gonna challenge them. You know, where's he gonna play? I'm sorry, nobody has a set place there. Bring somebody in and improve the squad. This is exactly what you do if you want to win things. So back to what I was saying, right? And this is why 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 for me, if these three signings are the ones that sports bring in, I'm still not gonna be convinced. You know, but they will improve the squad in the sense that it will just give us something new to see and at least something different. You know, watching the same stale football from Wings and Hoybier. <laughs> but if we're able to get another center back in, I would feel okay, you know. Yeah, I think we will be a left wing back. See, missing out on Luca Dean, yeah, it's it's pissing me off, you know. And the fact that we're being forced to watch Sessegnon and Reguilon, you know, play around and waste our time. Now, Reguilon, you know, maybe he has lost his way a bit, you know, but watching, they've not really been convincing in the recent weeks. Somebody like this guy, um, Luca Dean, would have known something for us. Now, imagine Sports the ones going for Luca Dean. At Everton, Everton had fallen out, and he had fallen out with Rafa Benitez at Everton. If it was Spurs, Spurs would have dragged that transfer, dragged, dragged, dragged that transfer, eh? Such that Rafa Benitez, Rafa Benitez, who had a problem with Dean, would be sacked. He's already sacked. When they bring a new manager, they will say that the new manager will say, okay, we don't want to sell, we want to get the new player. That's how Spurs, that's this is exactly how Spurs do every freaking time, every freaking window. That's what they would have done. You know, the usual delay and annoying tactics. Well, as well, we'll see how it goes. Speaking of Africa, let's go to the AFCON. Um, so, the knockout 
um got concluded yesterday the knockout con- got concluded yesterday and um some interesting results happened like i mentioned in the intro that there were some giant killers um there's some giant killers in the intro who are the giant killers ikatura guinea they are easily becoming my favorite team gradually oh, i mean i like an underdog story if nigeria is not there surely ikatura guinea are our neighbors you know they're not really far very they're not really far from nigeria so they are like our neighbors <laughs> so supporting them is probably very similar I mean, if you, I think you say if you go to Calabar, you could probably you can you can even get some radio signals from Ma- Malabo in Equatorial Guinea. So there's a kind of you know it's there. So I understand why we may I may stick to their side, though, be on their side in this um, Africa though. But <laughs> I'm joking though. So Nigeria is out of the corner, of course. So we lost to um, um, Tunisia, like I said on Sunday. I spoke about Burkina Faso, Gabon. Um, Burkina Faso winning on penalty seven six. Then uh, Cameroon um, beating Comoros Islands two one. Um, Guinea. Guinea and um, getting knocked out by the Gambia and um, that is I think Navigators Guinea Navigators Guinea no, I'm Senegal putting two past them convert a goal from Sadio Mane now um yeah the Cote d'Ivoire yesterday I, I watched that game I watched the Cote d'Ivoire Egypt game and I watched the um Mali Kutura Guinea game the Morocco versus um, Malawi game I watched I didn't watch the whole thing I watched you know part of it and there are two fantastic goals in that game the first goal from from Malawi really good long ranger and the free kick from Akraf Hakimi now that free kick from Hakimi I know people want to talk about the Afcon no that free kick was very good this the spot that if the part it was like the top top right corner right that's it just snuck into that and it was really fat now no no keeper was saving that free kick no keeper was in and it was a really good goal he won the game from Morocco and the first goal from Malawi a good goal probably even the goal of the tournament because he I'm sure he caught the Moroccan keeper off guard it was a really good goal now Malawi Equatorial Guinea yesterday um, it was new, and I observed some tactics from um, Malawi, from Mikutra Guinea. I, I, I'm not going to say they remind me of Christos and Afon, but their tactic of this underdog story, we want they want to go there and frustrate teams. Because I saw a lot of their things. They were trying to annoy the Mal- Malian footballers yesterday. I mean, they were kicking, they were you know shoving, and maybe they kind of get a reaction. I saw one of their guys in Manchin, right, where he he pissed off one Malian footballer. Right? The Malian footballer went at him, held him. And the guy he felt I play acting, you know. I mean, I think it was Dumbia. Dumbia got a look at it. It was ridiculous. <laughs> it was ridiculous. But this is what they wanted. I saw even sometimes the Malian footballer but then they would kick, you know, and hit and shove. It was their tactic. And going to penalty shoot, I, I was, I was, funny, I was saying that listen, this guy is their tactic. They want to piss off this man. They want to stay as long as possible. I'm sure they practice penalty shootout. This Equatorial uh, Guinea. I'm sure they practice penalty shootout in their training because this, the thing about these kind of teams is. They want to ensure that every single advantage they can get, they will make sure they utilize it, they will use it. In your bigger teams, and they rely on their quality, while all these smaller kind of teams who don't really have a, a lot of pedigree in football, they tend to rely on things they can control. Like all these other things, they know that where the playing field will be a little more level, they probably try and push to, they, they try and play to that level. To, so, for example, now they know that on the level playing field, they may not, they're not good enough to probably beat maybe Mali. They want to go toe to toe with them. But they play you know, the defensively discipline, they stuck back and they try to stay in the game. And kudos to them to stay in the game for 120 minutes, nil nil, and not concede a single goal. It was really it was a really good um, good thing for from them. You know, they stayed in the game, they weathered the storm, and then they went into the penalty. Now, when they missed their first penalty, I was like, if you guys miss your if you guys get knocked out of penalty, it means all your hard work is for nothing. And luckily for them, Mali they missed one too. And then Kutra Guinea won penalty shootouts. 
they won the penalty shootouts. And it went to sudden death, though. It was sudden death that, you know, eventually they won. I mean, so penalty shootout is never easy. But all the penalties, and apart from the first penalty from um, Equatorial Guinea, the first one they missed, the rest were really sudden. I'm talking about, like, they were really... Now, this is my, my, my penalty shootout there. It's not a time to be stylish. Although they had one person chip the ball, Equatorial Guinea, though. But penalty shootout is not to be stylish. Penalty shootout, you are there to do a job and deliver. That's what you are there for. You are there to do a job. Once you get there and you do the job, so you get out of the pitch. It's simple. No, no to be stylish. No need to chip the ball. I mean, if you have so much balls, you can chip the ball if you want to. But when it comes off, if it doesn't come off right, you look like a, you look like a bloody idiot. So, aim. Like this is my own penalty, right? The edge. The I know you can't control. There obviously there's element of luck in it. But if you prepare so hard, the element of luck will be erased. So for example, Hurricane. I think Mourinho said Hurricane. Whenever Hurricane wants to play, Hurricane practices this particular spot. He, it keeps hitting that spot, that particular spot, for the whole week. So when he plays on Sunday, he knows where he's going to take the penalty. Once he gets the penalty, this is how you do. You put so much power behind it, and you put now if if you put so much power behind your penalty, penalty. Because I saw a penalty yesterday too. There was so much power behind it that the keeper dived that way, but he could not still catch. He couldn't catch it because the ball was so fast that even the keeper dived. He couldn't even, even when he died, he could not get there in time. That's how far you put your laces through the ball, you know, very fast. It goes in there. There's one that went straight down to it, and there's something that aimed for the top corner. Now, aiming for the top is very risky because you know you could, you could sky it, but aiming for that edge, the edge, the right hand corner, that edge, or the left hand corner, the edge of the of the penalty, the goal post, you aim for that edge, put so much power behind it, and you get into put into the blood, into the net. That is exactly how to, to do it. And I saw that we saw that yesterday. I saw that from so it's good from Kutra Guinea yesterday. Now um going to going to Kutra Guinea are gonna be facing Cote d'Ivoire. Sorry, not Cote d'Ivoire, sorry, I'm very sorry. Senegal. And it's gonna be interesting because I predicted Senegal to win this Afcon. So, so um it's gonna be interesting because I'm I mean Kutra Guinea I have a source for Kutra Guinea. I like their story, the underdog story. Um, the quarterfinals are they gonna get knocked out? We'll see. I don't want to pray that game out. I don't say it, but I pray it's Senegal. But it's, it's gonna be another chance to kill another giant for Equatorial Guinea. And Equatorial Guinea, say, uh, listen, if Equatorial Guinea wins this thing, I will be lucky happy for them. Not lucky, I will be happy for them because the underdog story, I'm not as Nigeria is not among the giants they killed. So, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I, I don't know who's gonna, what's gonna happen in that game, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah, um, Cote d'Ivoire, Egypt. Now, the penalty shootout in that game, I saw that one too. Now, in that uh, particular game, Cote d'Ivoire have a very bad record against Egypt. I think, in even even down to penalty shootout, they have a very bad record against Egypt. And Eric Bailly was the one who um, missed the key penalty for for um, Ivory Coast. He missed the key penalty, and Salah was the one who scored the decisive one. And this was back to what I was saying Eric Bailly's penalty was really poor. I mean, put your laces through the ball. I mean, he was trying to be stylish, with it, and the ball wasn't even fast enough. And you know. See, for me, eh, you're taking a penalty. I do not... Now, I know there are some that is you know, good save for the goalkeeper, yes. But no, it's very rare. If you take a penalty so good, the save from the goalkeeper, eh, the, if, you, if you take the penalty so good, you put your laces straight and put so much power behind it, the chance of the keeper saving that penalty is very low. Because, first of all, it's almost a disadvantage. They are at a disadvantage, first of all. They are starting behind the line. So they, they have to be on the line when they are saving the penalty, right? They are staying behind the line. That's where their starting point is. So they are far, they are already far from the ball enough. So if you put so much power behind it, there's a reason why even when they get on the step of their line, this it's it's really retaking. So it's on the line, you're supposed to put your laces through the penalty, right? So that before they even come outside, the ball must have entered the net. That is what you expect. But 
you know, Bayou was trying to be starting and he missed the penalty. It was a key penalty, he missed it, and then Egypt scored the second one. I went Salah too, but I knew Salah was going to score because Salah is very good at penalties. Very, very freaking good at penalties. Because I know there are two second penalties, right? You use your eyes to control the keeper, yeah, you make eye connection and you can sell the keeper to the wrong, you can sell him to the wrong position and then you put him to the open net. Or, you put so much power behind it that you're not going to anybody's eyes, you just want to just hit that spot you have in mind. So you put so much power behind it that you just, you can't catch it. And that's, that's from, well, correct all the teams are qualified. Um, I'm not going to go over Nigeria again, I'm talking about them on Monday, <laughs> so I'm going to go over it again. Correct all the teams are qualified and, um, Speaking of the next round, let's go over the next round. And then um, the draw was made almost immediately. Um, we had um, so we have um, Gambia versus Cameroon. Now um, I think Cameroon is going to probably win that. Uh, we have Egypt versus Morocco. Now that's a Northern African derby. Although maybe not, they are not very close. I think, I think you have to go past from Egypt. You go past Algeria. You go past Sudan. Then you go past Tunisia. Before you get, to, I think you go from Tunisia, Algeria, then um, Morocco in that Northern part. But it's a very it's going to be an interesting game. You have um, Akraf Hakimi versus Salah. I think Akraf Hakimi plays right back, Salah plays on the other side. But I'm talking about in terms of the, the biggest players on, the, on either side. So it's going to be interesting to see who comes on top. I mean, Salah is most likely going to come on top. Most likely. I'm not saying he will, most likely because he's an attacker. But Hakimi is going to be bombing down that right, that um, side. So whoever the left back of, whoever Egypt's left back, be ready. You have a job on your hands <laughs> in that game. But the only interest, I would like to look up to that game. And that, that was on the 30th. So 29th, you're going to be Gambia, Cameroon, and Burkina Faso versus Tunisia. You're going to have Egypt, Morocco on the 30th, and um, also Senegal, Equatorial Guinea on the same day. This is the quarterfinals. Um, after this day, we're going to have the semis, and from the semis, we're going to have the finals. Um, so we don't know that yet, but on Sun- so um, this weekend is going to be beautiful. It's going to be interesting, isn't it? <laughs> And, um, and on that day also, it's going to be the day because Liverpool are going to be getting either Mane or, Mane or Salah back. Sa- oh, Jesus Christ. Sorry. Either Mane or Salah back. You're going to be getting either of them back on that day. Or they might not get either of them back anyway. See, maybe the final. It's, it's going to be interesting. And check this out. Most of the countries here, Egypt, Tunisia, I think their first game, even Burkina Faso, they lost their first game. Equatorial Guinea also lost their first game. Um... The teams that they lost their first game to, apart from Cameroon, are still here. I think, yeah, the teams that lost their first game to, a lot of them are still here. So, them, sorry, a lot of them have gone home. I'm talking about Cote d'Ivoire, Nigeria, uh, Mali. You know, all these teams have gone home. And these teams, all of these teams, beat, but this is why, like, winning the first game is not really guaranteed that you're going to win the thing. You may look convincing. I mean, Nigeria just started like a house on fire, and then Tunisia just put out the fire. <laughs> Yeah, I think this is going to come to end this episode. And this episode is quite short. Not enough transfer activity going around. There's some though, but not, not really, nothing really big. But deadline day is going to be interesting. Today's 27th. Um, we have four days away from deadline day on 31st of this month. Now it's going to be interesting. No, is it 31st or 1st? I think it was 31st. I'll, ch- I'll try and check that again. Okay, so it's 1st of September. 31st is deadline day to cross to the 1st of February, if I'm not mistaken. Well, either way, it's going to be very interesting. Um, we look forward to seeing... I look forward to a lot of deals on that day. Um, sports, I know sports will be busy that day. Uh, busy, probably busy signing nobody, nobody. You end up signing, giving us one signing and then telling us, oh, it was a good window. <laughs> but, <laughs> and then we'll have the usual Levy defenders telling us that it's a very good window. But we'll see how it goes. I am not very convinced about the window. I don't. I think even if we get those, like I said, if we get those three signings, I'm still not convinced. Centre-back is not fixed. The left-back, we should not be hoping that Sessegnon comes good by now. He's three, he's three years already three years already i'm sorry you can't really be doing that anymore 
accepts that it's you know, it doesn't worked out, cut your losses, shake hands, and say bye bye. You know, but this is what it is. Yeah. Um, so thanks for listening to this episode. Um, I'll see you guys on Monday. And um, hopefully we'll get some more results and some more beautiful news on football. See your host David, and I'm your sports fan. And um, I'll see you guys next week.